Six Nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. And to do that, British and Irish Lions, Saracens and England hooker Jamie George is alongside me. How are you, Jamie? All good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's good to have you with us uh, for The Ruck. Now, Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. And Jamie is a Funding Circle ambassador because, Jamie, not only are you day-to-day a professional athlete, but you're also a business owner as well. Yeah, yeah. I uh, set up a business with a good school friend of mine about six years ago called Carter & George. Um, we're a physio business that effectively tries to deliver the same level of elite care that I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. So the link between physiotherapy and strength and conditioning and rehabilitation, etc. I've been looking for a physio, so... I know a good place. I'll get your card after. Funding Circle has supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So, Jamie, simply, how have Funding Circle helped you? Well, obviously, they've got an amazing um, financial product. So um, our most recent venture is is trying to grow the business as quickly as we can. We've got five clinics now and we're looking to push on. And obviously, we wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of a funding circle and um, the financial support that they were able to give us. So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. He did quote Sartre, he didn't have iron in the soul. We haven't had enough Sartre on this programme. No, no, I'm feeling quite existential at the moment, so it's a Monday morning. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Ruck, the rugby podcast from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Owen Slots, Chief Rugby Correspondent of The Times, sounding as though I smoked 1,001 cigarettes over the weekend. So this podcast comes to you courtesy of Rothmans and Marlborough Reds. So today on the panel we have our regular voice and long-time leader of the Richard Hibbard for the Lions campaign, Steve Jones. It's a bandwagon that's gathering pace, that one. You saw it from some way off and... That Hibbard, he had another belting game in the Challenge Cup at the weekend. Do you think he might go? Uh, uh, no, I don't, because um, I think he's out as with Mr Gatlin, but um, he should be there. I just suspect that he might not be. Also with us, fresh from a busy weekend stadium hopping, is Stuart Barnes. Barnesy, how many games did you cover at the weekend? Just the two, quiet weekend, Munster and Sarries. And the standout team was? Saracens by a mile. Everyone talks about their structure and the wolf pack and their will to win, but they've got this ability to keep a great structure, but play with what looks like chaos, but it's heads up rugby. They are the team to beat. And today we have a new guest. Barely a week goes by in the England camp without Eddie Jones asking Tom Hamilton when he's going to be ready to join the England front row. Tom is the rugby editor of ESPN, one of those leading rugby into the new world of digital journalism. Your England debut can't be far off now. But how do you find Eddie? You certainly enjoy a fair amount of that. Do I even call it banter? I hate to call it banter, but uh, you're at the forefront of that. Oh, banter's arguably one of the worst words ever coined. But um, 
It's quite good fun, really, isn't it, with Eddie? He does seem to get into me quite a lot, though. You can only imagine what it's like to play for him. I haven't yet had the bag of sweets treatment like Ben Young's, but I think that's only probably a couple of weeks away. Your pass is better, though. I spent the drive to and from Alliance Park yesterday with Tom. I think we should carry on where we left off. Saracens for the double. It would actually be a double-double, wouldn't it? I think that they're a pretty good shot for it. Um, as Barnes has already said... They seem to just get stronger and stronger at this t- to this stage of the season. They get stronger and stronger, and they get stronger and stronger throughout every game they play. They've got um, Munster away at the Aviva in their semi-final, which is a huge, huge test of them. Jonesy, do you, do you see a double, an, another double in them? Yes, I do. Um, the team that played on uh, Sunday uh, made quite a number of mistakes for Saris, but as Stuart said, um, not only th- this thing that it was, th- it was always going to be Saris' ultra power game against um, Glas- Glasgow's running game was n- was always a load of rubbish, and so it proved because Saracens have got such a magnificent ability to to strike and finish tries, and they got, they got so much ability behind their scrum. And if you take their team and add a, a fully fit uh, Alex. Good, and then you've got Duncan Taylor. Who I mean, how good was he for, for, for in the time he was on? Uh, and then you've got George Cruz to come back with Schalke Berger. I mean, you wouldn't like to pick the team very much. I just think, as we expected, they're going to peak at exactly the right time. This time last year, they were top of the Premiership, and they they were lording it over everyone, and they could actually take their foot off the gas a bit in the Premiership. Now they're third, so they, they're fighting desperately for a, for a home tie, so second or first. They've got quite a hard run in. A harder task even than last year. But Barnsley, I mean, despite all that, you reckon they're... Despite all that, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think at the moment Northampton away is a particularly hard finish. They may be going for a European spot, but they're a, a pretty average team. Saracens will see them off. Wasps might well help them because I think Wasps will probably, by then, have cemented uh, a, a guaranteed home semi-final. Won't Wasps want to relegate them to third place and give them a harder... Semi-final themselves. I think Wasp will just. I think the first thing you do as a team now is make sure you're in the best physical condition for the games that count. And whilst that would be quite nice to stick them to third place, um, Saracens are going to be extra away. End of story. They're a different class at the moment. Premiership has got a couple of good teams. It's got some average teams. It's got a few bad teams and one outstanding team and whichever way you look at it I think Saracens have got the answer at the moment because they've got the squad strength in depth they've got coaching expertise and the other thing is they just know how to do it you know we were saying it's double double but it's not is it because they're going for a third premiership on the bounce so it's sort of a double double a double and a treble it's an amazing thing and no team in England can pick like them I think by the end of the season we'll be hailing them the greatest English club team of them all would you disagree at all I'm afraid I can't um, looking at them yesterday they're, they're also adding bits to their game they've mm. developed new aspects so yesterday we had um, that sort of the, the Sexton move you know the wraparound move oh, which we've loop, seen so far oh, the loop, loop with yeah. Barrett Bosch and um, Farrell and they've also got this new ability which Bath found out last weekend and then Glasgow did yesterday to find a new gear in that final 20 minutes like we've seen in the past in the All Blacks you know that sort of they get another kick Gregor Townsend said afterwards that you just can't there's not a lot you can do when you face a team playing with that sort of tempo that accuracy and you can see Marcelo Bosch finally got a chance to do a sidestep go straight through and you got Chris Ashton as well but then there's also in this team the nucleus of the sort of the unsung heroes with Jackson Ray at the forefront I mean Eddie Jones would have seen it at some point he'll watch it he's got to go to Argentina um, these sort of players are those who, who really make this team 
Owen, I, I can sound a note of reservation if you like, and it's what you said. Saracens are not there with a home tie. You you want to play at home in a semi-final because a semi-final, which is not home, you can always lose to, to one team playing brilliantly on the day. Um, so Saracens have got to be playing week, week in, week out with with very little rest. That doesn't apply to Munster and doesn't apply to Leinster. The new qualification in the um, was meant to uh, make it an even playing field and that everyone had to be flat out every week. But when you've got the collapse of the four Welsh teams, the, the non-appearance of the two Italian teams, demise of Edinburgh, there are games in which, uh, no, no fault of Leinster and Munster, there are games in which those two teams can field a second team and still go through very nicely. So they'll be more rested than uh, than 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 uh, Saracens will be. In the last uh, four seasons, looking at yesterday, in the um, Heineken or European Cup, sixteen games, uh, only two have been won away, and yeah. both of those were by Saracens. Well, but that's my point. Uh, the stats su- suggest the home team have a huge advantage, but exceptional teams overwhelm stats. You can write stats off then, and that's what Saracens are. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what we're doing at the moment, we're talking about the power of their pack and all the Lions as we go to New Zealand up front we're talking about the fluidity of their passing game their finishing their change of gears what we haven't talked about the most important thing of all about Saracens is their mental strength now I'll go back ancient history uh, to the 1980s Bath often played quite badly despite the fact we had a lot of good players but nobody looked us in the eye and thought we can beat them in big games we never lost a, a Twickenham final and we played terribly in about 7 out of 9 and that's Someone thinks we can't beat you and you see that in their eyes and you think you're right, you can't. And that enables you to just squeeze the life out of them. Leicester had it at the start of the new millennium and Saracens have got it now. And I really don't care whether Exeter or Wasp play Saracens at home. Saris will go eyeball to eyeball with them and they'll say, you don't know, you don't believe you can beat us when it matters. Saracens lose games when it's mid-season, when the Six Nations are on, when they're resting players, when they don't really mind that much. they At the moment, they do not lose games when it matters. If, it, if it's not Saracens, Tom, who, who will win the um, uh, the Champions Cup? Could, could it possibly be Stuart Lancaster's Leinster? Are we allowed to call it Stuart Lancaster's Leinster? No. <laughs> it's, it's Leo Cullen's Leinster. For the purpose of the British media, it is very much Stuart Lancaster's Leinster. Well, you've got to look at Munster, don't you? Um, they're experiencing the most remarkable season for a number of reasons. But against Toulouse, they, to be honest, it never looked like Toulouse were going to win that game. Toulouse looked pedestrian um, and it didn't really offer a lot. Munster just had to go through the gears to beat them. But I guess they, they're probably one of the, possibly the team who could put Saracens back in their place if they do manage to get it all together in that game in Dublin. And then Clermont looked... Uh, Again, pretty ordinary, but managed to get through against Toulon, who are who are poor. But I think if you're looking at it, Saracens are favourites, but Munster probably are the team perhaps to beat them. Jonesy, what's your view on on um, Stuart Lancaster and the comeback? Can, can in the coaching world, uh, is it pos- is it possible to, um, to readdress every assessment that was made about him uh, a year and a half ago, or? So he was he, one week, one season. He's a complete disaster in which the team falls apart when you want it to be brilliant you can't pick a midfield uh, dithers around and England come out and uh, humiliated so you learn from that you instantly become a great coach Uh, sorry I don't think it happens like that full stop I I think it's uh, It's this whole whole talk about a comeback is absolutely uh, wrong 
because Stuart Lancaster was judged by his critics on his inability to prepare and pick a team. We are, at the moment, we are eulogising over the great bad Brad Barrett playing 12 for Saracens. In the World Cup, he ended up playing 13 for England. Now, there's one thing dear old Brad doesn't have, and it's pace. And you stick him at 13, and his entire defensive structure and organisation goes. That didn't change. What has changed with Stuart Lancaster is he is not the head man. And to Stuart's credit, he's kept saying, I'm not the director of rugby. I don't pick the team. I'm enjoying coaching without the pressure. I was one of these people who judged him on the fact that he picked a terrible squad for the World Cup and he picked terrible teams there. Didn't say he was a bad coach, said he was a bad equivalent of a, a director of rugby at international level. And, and being a brilliant Leinster coach and in a good team doesn't change that one iota. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think he's just. Uh, I think he's found found his strength. He's he's gone back to to where yeah, his he's doing. Is. Brill- he's doing really well. But that has no, it's got nothing to do with what happened at England, where he did not. Well, I'm glad I got some lukewarm views out of you two on that one. Can I just say on Leinster, and we were talking about this earlier, the unsung heroes there of the academy managers, which we were talking about earlier, Barnsley. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're fantastic. You look at uh, two of the best props, Six Nations are from there. Uh, English people won't know Ross Maloney, but he's going to be a hell, hell of a force in the second row. Conan, Levy, uh, Ringrose, Luke McGrath. Ringrose was terrific at the weekend. Uh, they've got so many good players. These academy guys have done a great job there. Jonesy Wasps got a, got a um, a bit of a kicking on Twitter on um, Saturday afternoon after after their demise, and, and it, they, they were certainly way off colour. I mean, do, do you was it uh, in your opinion uh, one very bad off day? Are they are they still improving? Yeah, of course they are. I read some utter rubbish about wasps. I read some something, admittedly from a, a friend of mine and a good judge, who described them as being was it either humbled or humiliated. Absolute rubbish. Wasps had a, had a poor day at the office, but uh, as we as we know from uh, European competition, without fail, that you rise up slowly, you get to semi final stage, you you improve upon that. Everybody has done it Munster had so many losing seasons before they eventually won it so did other people this WASP team is only 18 months into for want of a of a awful word uh, project into its project into it. it's 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 less than two years they're improving all the time the club's betting in uh, I think at the start of the season I thought they were too forward short I think they're too class forward short now but I think WASP are it's all, all one way. It's on the way up. They're on the way up. They will continue. They will win the, the uh, European Cup in the next three years. And let's ju- just remember one thing. Was deserved and won a home tie. If they'd been at home, do not put your hand on your heart to say that Leinster would still have won. And th- that has been the administrative scandal of the decade because they were good enough to win at home they won their they won their place at home and an idiotic refereeing decision not an interpretation not, not a sort of dodgy a complete and utter breakdown by the referee cost them the a place and a 500,000 pounds in the in the uh, quarter final at home wasps are absolutely fine um, can I just add a point as well? Can you, can you add another administrative bungling of the decade? Well, that's, a, that's a good I, list. We I, can don't, I don't know what the administration could do. I mean, apart from uh, take pretty severe action against Matteo Reno, who made a terrible error. Well, that would have been the start. But but yeah, that's a start. But it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't change the outcome, and you can't re- reverse the result because there's a possibility uh, Connor would have scored a try anyway, and it's just a terrible piece of officiating. And I have massive sympathy for Wasp, but I think looking at the game. I think sometimes we get very Anglo-centric and we don't actually look too hard again about these other teams. 
all year if you said to me and I probably well, I do watch a lot more uh, Pro 12 rugby than probably anyone else based in England because of Sky and if you said to me who are the strongest team in the Pro 12 I'd have said without a, any hesitation this year Leinster and I, I said to you Steve didn't I that I, I felt that Wasp would not win there because they're a very powerful team and I think if any team will catch Saracens out if Saris have a bad day Leinster are the only one I, I, I think they're a very good team Overall, though, the, um, quarter, the, the the spread of teams in the quarters and the semis as well is is great for the for European competition. The fact that we've got two Irish uh, teams back in the semis is fantastic, which brings you again to look at if if Ireland could reorganise their rugby in, in the professional era and be so successful, why have the Welsh teams failed so regularly from start to finish to to um to keep up the pace, Tom? Can you fathom that? It was watching the Ospreys. They had a real chance there to get into the final four. They, they were poor. Um, actually, that's been a bit too kind. They were dreadful against Stade Francais. Uh, I didn't see the Blues, but um, from the sound of things, Gloucester managed to get back to some sort of uh, some sort of rhythm there. And that's the Scar- a Gloucester team that can't do anything in the Premiership. The Scarlets didn't manage to get through their group. They did have a couple of good, decent games. They won two games out of six. And then uh, the Dragons just all over the place as well. So all in all. There's not been a good season for the Welsh regions. Um, you're looking at the Ospreys uh, yesterday. Their decision-making was dreadful. They played against 14 men for half the game. It should have been longer. The guys should have got a red card in the first half. But they seem to playing far too much rugby in their own half. They're not really playing sensible rugby at all. And if in doubt, just give it to Keelan Giles. But again, they only did that right towards the end. So well, it was a pretty shambolic. Oh, and you said um, that Ireland uh, re- reorganised their rugby for the pro era. That's exactly what they didn't do, because they didn't have to. Yeah, They yeah. had four big brands there. Connaught, uh, slightly less than the others, but Ulster, Munster, Leinster. Four big brands, because the, the, the standard of club rugby is just really, really park pitch stuff, with respect, in Ireland. They had the four teams there. They had no decision to make. They stuck by them. And thank God, because if the Irish Rugby Union had a decision to make, you could be sure they were got, got it wrong. Those four clubs kept on, they kept on, uh, they built on their excellent traditions. Wales created four new clubs. Yep. And the, the fact that no one can still understand them is, is, is represented by the current m- miserable predicament where the Ospreys, I looked forward to seeing them yesterday because they're meant to be good. They were dreadful. They were absolutely dreadful. Llanethley can win games at home on their, on their, on their flair can't win anyone away Newport Dragons is up for sale and they're playing on the Gobi Desert and, and, and Cardiff were just taken away to the cleaners by Gloucester now if they'd said Newport Cardiff uh, Swansea Clanethley and stuck with the brands that they knew then they would not be in the mess that they are now and Stuart I would tell your owners and your bosses not to re-sign unless Wales get their four teams in gear because they're humiliating themselves at the moment. Yeah. You're talking about a failure of marketing at the moment, which I completely and utterly agree, but you've still got the players there. I mean, this is no. this is 20 years in almost. It's, it's a lot deeper than marketing, although it, the marketing is abysmal. I, I agree it's, 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 deeper it's, it's way, way deeper than it's marketing. Cu- it's cultural. It's cultural. You've you got to, like Steve and I, we grew up that west of the River Seven. You have to understand it. Uh, Munster is a culture. They don't play well always, but they're a culture. The fans understand it, the players understand it. Even overseas players get into it. Leinster, uh, it took them a little bit longer because came out of the roots in Munster. Um, English club rugby, um, teams like Bath, teams like Leicester, teams like Gloucester, cultural, they have an understanding. Exactly. In Wales, 
I mean, in a country like Wales, brand is a pretty useless word anyway because fans just don't feel that way. And, you know, the, the fact that Ospreys took a game from Swansea on a Sunday evening to Cardiff, you know, organisers don't realise that 30, 35 miles from Swansea to Cardiff for, for uh, West Wellian fans is going to another country and they're not interested. Ospreys should be Swansea, should be Neath. The problem goes all the way back to professionalism and they didn't find a way, and it's not easy, but sometimes, you know, you've got to find answers. How do you have this Welsh club system making the move from being semi-professional, as some, some of the teams were, to fully Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18plusdrinkaware.co.uk. The Ruck Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium-sized UK businesses because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner. Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Reese Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, we've been up and running for about six years now and sort of our strap line is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign-off for us? Absolutely. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle. Professional. They had... You know, when the game went professional, the toughest games we had at Bath were going over the border yeah. to play Pontypool, yeah. to yeah, play Cardiff. Famous, and, famous games. And, 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 and that is what Welsh rugby is and was. And uh, a Kiwi came in, Moffat, wasn't it? Yeah. And decided that Welsh rugby wasn't about the clubs, it was about the international game, as it is in New Zealand. So he thought our template works everywhere. So that's why Wales can win Grand Slams, but they're... Uh, regional teams can achieve absolutely nothing because culturally they have been vandalised. Okay, we are now just a fortnight away from the announcement of the Lions squad. The uh, discussion on who's in, who's out um, gets ever hotter. There seems to be a a few areas where there's a lot of discussion still, particularly on the wings, I would say. Um, I just start by going up and down the panel asking, over the weekend... Do you think anyone particularly let forward or, 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 or slightly uh, sullied their, their their chances of being picked for the Lions? Tom, I'll start with you. I think Chris Ashton took another step forward. Uh, took two of his tries very well against Glasgow. Um, You're not allowed to say everyone, by the way, because it, it just makes it impossible for everyone else. Just a couple. Okay, well, you can have Ashton. I was hugely impressed with Simon Zebo. He stopped making errors. Uh, he's a very positive player and he's an infectious character. He's the sort of bloke you need. Maybe not a test player, but midweek and around the squad can sit on benches. I was very impressed with Zebo. Played well for Ireland. Uh, Joe Smith has stopped him messing around, and he looks a very good player now. I mean, a little bit like Richard Hebardo. In um, I think Chris Ashton just is such a great finisher, much cleverer footballer than than people give him credit for, etc. But a little bit like Hebard, I think he should go, but I don't think he will. Yeah. Now, um, in, in the same game and in the same team, 
a guy I've always had in my team uh, this this season is Sean Maitland, and I just thought the composure of the guy on 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 Sunday, uh, the, his ability to slot in as fullback when Alex Good went w- w- went up, and and, and like I say, his composure, his ability to be under pressure from three or four defenders and pick up the right pass. I just thought he was excellent, and I think he is a finisher, and I think he must go. For, for me, a, a, a good conversation to be had is now around um, Peter Amani, um, which unfortunately is one of the most competitive areas in the whole of the Lions squad. We were absolutely packed out with decent back rowers. His, um, his ability to disrupt uh, the Aviva again at the weekend was, was fantastic. I, again, I think he would, he would be very unlikely to make a test team, but uh, cool. a great well, midweek. I, I, I don't know. I'm starting you to think... You think he might, might, might I'm be starting a to test think, six? I'm starting to think he might have to be a test six because, you know, we, we're talking about these players in the open play and in New Zealand you know, there's a lot of open play but to beat the All Blacks one of the key things to do is disrupt them at source now they've got an outstanding line out you know in White Lock and Retallick in particular Kieran Reid and I'm looking at our line out we're sort of banking on George Cruz coming back because I'm not seeing any real line out guaranteed stuff here Atoje at the front I think is, is possible Alwyn Jones who I love he's not a great line out forward so I think he could be vying with Atoje for the full position if Cruz is there, you then you then people are starting to talk about Warburton. He's good, but he's not great. Best line out forward in the back row in the British Isles and Ireland is Peter Omani. And if Billy Vunapola is going to be your number eight to start, and there's a debate there, then you've got to have a third line out jumper, and there's none better than Omani. And you know, I, I think he's I think he's gone in three weeks from being a, a, an outsider for the tour to a, a real contender for the Test team. You've got to have a line out. The Irish people have been taken on tour before because people thought they were good tourists. That's not the reason to take them. But Zebu is infectious. And uh, I think that uh, Mahni, um, you've got a problem because you, you actually get refereed because it's world rugby referees and, the, and they're really under the spotlight there and they have to referee it properly, which won't suit him. But well worth, not a gamble, I think he's well worth taking. What are you uh, insinuating there about referees? It will be tightly refereed. Are you suggesting something about Munster's way of approaching a game certainly not <laughs> the the the, um, the back three is uh, is one of the most interesting areas for, uh, in this whole debate it seems that Gatlin probably takes seven back three players in the squad like he did last time you have Stuart Hogg Liam Williams George North Anthony Watson and Rob Carney I think a lot of people would say they're they're probably in we're, we're, let's just let's just leave them in for the moment so you've got two more spots I can't I, I can't, so I can't three, leave them in. three of them aren't in mine well, there we are. There's agreement for you. So, so, so the point is, there's not a lot of nailed down. There's not a lot of nailed down names in there. There's a lot of debate in that area. You three have all celebrated the the, the rise of Chris Ashton and, and advocated his return. I'm not so sure about that at all. Okay. But um, Sol- could could um, could Solomona be in there? I just think this is one area where there is space for Gatlin to take a player who we don't know that much about in, at the test level. I, I just don't see how you... Why, why do you take someone to New Zealand who you don't know so much about? This is not a Barbarians tour. This seems, sounds like insanity. In one breath, you're saying we don't take Chris Ashton, who we know is a brilliant finisher. He missed one tackle, but his positives are always outweighing his negatives and he's a very clever player. And the other we're talking about, Senamoa, whatever his bloody name is, who plays premiership rugby, which, dare I say it, Eddie Jones has put his finger on the pulse there and said playing premiership rugby is nowhere near playing England international rugby. He hasn't even played a European game, actually. Well, I, just, I mean, I, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, thanks uh, for taking the bait, Barnsley. No, it's good. It, 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 it's ridiculous. Um, 
it, it, it's taking this quantum leap and Warren Gatland is not going to do it. We're saying that he's probably not going to take Ashton and he's not. He ain't going to take that bloke from sale. Tom, who would you have in the back three we haven't mentioned yet? Um, quite a big fan of Jack Norm. I know Gatland is as well. He likes his work rate, his ability to come off the wing and search for the ball, whereas some others perhaps stay there. Um, like George North has been guilty of that in the past. I like to see him go. And then I thought yesterday Tommy Seymour was completely outplayed by Maitland as well in Ashton. Um, but for me, he's another contender. But for me, I'd, I'd like to see Jack Norm go. I think on, on Sunday, Owen, we saw what happens to uh, an attacking fullback when the opposition nine is, is, is an outstanding box kicker, as was Richard Wigglesworth. And uh, I did think for a moment yesterday that my colleague on my left here was going to finally get the Man of the Match <laughs> award right and give it to Wigglesworth, who was masterly. But OK, you, you went elsewhere. But um, um, it, just, it just kept uh, uh, Stuart Hogg locked up in a, in a, in a box all day um, without really an armory to show. So I don't, uh, haven't got Stuart in my, in my uh, fullbacks for the tour, as simple as that. Do you know what I'd love, you know, just once, someone to pick someone who's not a conformist with a blazer, who's never never put a foot out of line, never had a drink in a bar, never been involved in a bit of a ruckus, for goodness sake. I think Gatlin's the sort of man who, who wouldn't be too prissy about it. Let's stop the Archbishop of Canterbury picking rugby teams and have someone down there with a bit of a devil in him. One thing you said, one thing we said, talked about, uh, Steve was talking about Hogg and the problems of having a 15 struggling against a really good kicking team. Uh, and Tom said he thought Maitland outplayed Seymour. I would say this, if, if you were a winger playing for Glasgow and you were a winger playing for Saracens, you did have an advantage to which you alluded. A couple of times, high balls went up on Seymour. He took them really well. Uh, Tommy Seymour is, bar none, the best handle, the best diffuser of a high ball in the British Isles. Mm-hmm. And the key to the New Zealand game, the, the, the thing that gets their broken field in gear and gets Bowden Barrett crucifying you is a turnover ball from kicks so if you're going to have George North and I think you have to because you have to have somebody who's world class and can turn it on sixpence your other winger has to be rock solid and I think no matter what happened yesterday Tommy Seymour's ability under a high ball is spectacular and I I think out of all the players in Britain he's the one who can handle it and I think you've got to look at a fullback also who can do that because if, if, if New Zealand win the aerial battle and the game breaks up then there's no team in the world can beat them so you have to handle that it's crucial alright we'll, we'll just finish this line section we, we, the, all four of us are going to name our test starting three um, our test starting back three that is D- dis- despite the um, despite the antipathy in the room I'll, I'll have Stuart Hogg as my um, as my uh, fullback in the, for the same reason that uh, the other boys like Chris Ashton he, he, he brings more than he gives away um, and I'd have my wings uh, George North and Liam Williams Tom? Purely for his ability under the high ball, if fit, I go for Rob Carney. And then on the wings, Watson and North. This isn't how selection works. I didn't even have Simon Zebo in my 37, but he has played well. And I watched him. I think, Stuart, you've just been underestimating him. This bloke is very solid under a high ball, and he can counter. Carney can catch, but he can't counter now. Um, so he's my fullback. Tommy Seymour for the reasons I've mentioned. George North for the reasons I've mentioned. And I think it's very important. Who's your other guy? Who's your impact to come on? And Liam Williams is nailed on as a fullback wing cover. I like him. I think um, Rob Carney, uh, if he can catch the ball, you can send him a taxi to run it out. As far as I'm concerned, he's, he's, as long as he's caught it, that's fine. But I think if he's not fit, uh, Liam Williams is a really outstanding player 
possibly he's one of those guys that comes striding through on the lines too. I don't know. In which case, I might start him at fullback. But he was brilliant I, for Wales on, the, on last got, summer. Yeah, he was their standout player he's on that He's got something tour. about him. But I mean, I think I'd go Carney, then I'd go, um, I'd go George North and uh, Watson or Maitland. So we return to uh, the Premiership this weekend. Uh, the, the, um, the stats merchants tell us it might be the highest attended Premiership weekend uh, uh, ever. The, that's because you have um, Saracens with their annual game at Wembley against Quinns, which uh, normally gets to um, uh, 150,000 or whatever the capacity <laughs> of Wembley is that week, um, or whatever they, they put down on the attendance form. And you've also got some bath with this with this new um, fixture which they've been marketing um, phenomenally hard called The Clash Bath against Leicester at Twickenham on Saturday afternoon um, they, they've, they've sold over 50,000 already from what I've, from what I've heard it, it's, um, it's interesting and it, it's exciting in many ways uh, Bath desperately desperately need to win that and, and just get a toehold back in, into, the, um, into their season where they, which seems to be slipping away you might say that for all the times to go away from the wreck this would be the worst well, what do you think, Tom? You, you pr- pretty much live in that place. Um, I, I have to agree with you. I think, look at it two years ago when um, Bath had that semi-final against Leicester. They had it on against Leicester early on in the season. They stuck 50 points in them. This is a time when they need the, the claustrophobic nature of the wreck, I think. And yet they've opened up to Twickenham where it's going to be a free-for-all, effectively. Um, this is a big game for Bath. They've It's 4th v 5th, isn't it? It is, yeah. They, Bath have slipped down to 5th, so they need to get it back. And it's they've really uh, they've stuttered in recent times. They look good against Breathe, but then Breathe didn't look fit. Um, and I know that's slightly pot kettle, but yeah, that's exactly where it was. Um, Bath have to win. They've had a they've had a, a topsy turvy season. They've been on their seventh hooker now. Um, they've signed just about every single available player in the north and southern hemisphere. Uh, Barnsley probably got the call at one point, and I think. It's just part of that sort of way now where they've got to find some sort of tempo and they haven't done for so long. But taking it to Twickenham evens things up. Leicester, you know, are still looking. I'm not, we're not quite sure if Matt O'Connor's going to be there to coach on Saturday. He arrives this week. But it's for me, it was a strange decision. It's the sort of thing with Bruce Craig where he's obviously trying to take Bath into this new place, but they need a successful team first. And they haven't yet established that sort of that bedrock of consistency. Yeah, Tom's right. Bath should play at Twickenham when they're good enough to play there in a final. But the problem with Bath is at the moment they're more interested and they're better at branding than they are at rugby. Um, I see Bath play sometimes. I saw the Saracens game and there's no greater fan of Saracens club team than me at the moment, but Bath rolled over like a pussycat and let their tummies be tickled. Um, I find it as an ex-Bath player quite distressing to see a team that seem pleased to be Bath players but not prepared to really put their bodies on the line for Bath and uh, at the moment I, I mean Bath v Leicester Twickenham that used to be a final now it's a bit of a bum fight between two giant forces that have faded into the background and right now if you said which of them is coming back up I hate to say it as a former Bath man but I think Leicester are more likely to rebound quicker than Bath Jonesy how do you see Leicester I mean they're, they're, they're in between um, management they've they, 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 Tossed out Aaron Major and, and got a pretty um, well. They, they seemed to get a performance out of his sort of uh, departure game, uh, which was a, a game for the coach. And, and the players were quite vocal in the fact that they wanted him to stay or that they liked him a lot. Anyway, um, now, now you've got the new era. Matt O'Connor's coming in. He, he won't have 
uh, he might have had one coaching session with him at the, at the very most, but he won't have had any opportunity to stamp his authority on him. You might get players thinking, I've really got to show the new guy what I'm worth. Or you might get players thinking, I don't really know where we're going. I, I don't know where half the clubs get these coaches from. I really don't. I mean, they're, 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 let's be fair about Leicester. Uh, football and rugby they, they, their players gave a massive message they gave a massive message to the football club by only starting to try when the coach went and uh, they did a massive message to the rugby club by clearly making a massive point of going and hugging Aaron Major at the, at the end of the game I don't think for a club like Leicester I think they're, they're, they're shooting in the dark I really don't think they know where they are but Owen can I just say something about these, this, this weekend you've got to remember when I started this in 1833 that I used to cover games in front of nine hundred people and you know what gets me about these games 150,000 people are coming to Twickenham you see on Twitter and, and opponents of the club saying oh of course it's, them. it's all very well but they're not really rugby fans yeah that's what it's on for yeah, b- yeah. B- 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 oh, but there's uh, the tickets are cheap yeah that's why it's there and C oh, of course it's, there's all these rock bands and tiny temper or, and all these guys yes that's why it's there it is, it tell, I'll tell you what it's doing rugby wonders it, we, we might all sit there from our positions of eminence and, and, and sniff about it but it is great marketing it's, it, it, it's expanding the game and there's going to be 150,000 at two games now that is worth worth having don't forget Bath only get like 12,000 at their home games the only note of caution I would I would um, uh, sound about the whole business is that Quinns have found that when you have these huge games they're very distracting and Bath do not want to be distracted this week because I don't think they're good enough anyway with a distraction I think they're going to find themselves way out of the top four what, what, what do we think about Bath and, and specifically the, the whole George Ford aspect to it? I mean, he, he was not good in that Saracens game, Barnsley, that you mentioned. Uh, he's, on the, he's on the way out. He's actually going to Leicester, who he's playing against yeah. at the weekend. It, it, it's, a, it's a strange dynamic to me, to me that one. And, and there's no secret that his antipathy for the management of the club. George Ford has disappointed me at Bath. He's a, a majestic reader of a game. He's got all the time in the world to scan. He's got all the skills... But when it really mattered, he, 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 he to quote Sartre, he didn't have iron in the soul. He, we he, haven't had enough Sartre on this program. No, no. Program. Well, I'm feeling quite existential at the moment, so it's a Monday morning. Um, Bloody lost <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No iron in the soul when it really mattered. And I think it's going to cost him any sniff of a lion's place. And y- you want your playmakers to really have that will to win. And, and the fact that he's going... You know, it's no secret. He was very upset about his father going. There comes a stage in a, a son's life when you go grow up and be a man, and you can't just sulk around because your dad's had a rough deal. From your point of view, and I think I think you could say, Owen, that uh, Owen Farrell's dad has had the same sort of pain, and that he was he was kicked yeah. out by England. Uh, was out of a job okay now he's back in Ireland as is Mike Ford back in France but Owen hasn't really reacted to it he's gone on and become a magnificent player and a great character so I don't know I think maybe maybe because his dad's not there it could well be be. I'd like to make two points on this first of all with Todd Blackadder I actually thought he managed the whole George Ford situation pretty well uh, throughout the whole season because even from the start it was obvious that George Ford didn't want to be there but Blackadder I thought did superbly well to to manage the whole thing but also it's worth noting that he's playing against Freddie Burns at the weekend who's going the other way at the end of the season Freddie Burns is playing really really well at the moment um, 
I think George Ford, I think it's fair to say, is more naturally talented than Burns, perhaps a better game manager. But Burns is playing really well, and he'll also want to have a point to prove on Saturday at Twickenham. That's all from us today. Thank you very much to all our, our listeners uh, for subscribing, uh, uh, downloading, or however you've listened. We um, we do appreciate any comments you want to uh, uh, put uh, um, to, to join the conversation. I'd like to say thank you very much to Steve Barnsley and Tom for uh, for the podcast today, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to the Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle. And Funding Circle Ambassador Jamie George is with me. All right, Jamie? Hello. Hello. How are you? All good. Good, good. So away from Saracens and England duty, you are a business owner. And Funding Circle is a huge supporter of small and medium-sized UK businesses. How have they helped you? Yeah, so uh, I've got a business with a friend of mine. It's a physiotherapy business, effectively delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. And we've been looking to expand and grow the business as quickly as we can. And with the financial products that Funding Circle have done, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. And they know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Jamie, can you do the honours? Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations Tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! Leave your rivalries at the door and get the team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports pub. Scores in the corner! The Six Nations and Green King. 18 plus, drinkaware.co.uk. 